Welcome to Mystery House Sires and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a Teen Sock Hop cast. Yes, we are getting heavy into the 1950s with an episode that is okay. Yeah, yep. it is okay. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> probably, <laughs> like... It might be one of the most okayest episodes we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's not... It, weird stuff, it's, it's very high drama, but it's not particularly insane, uh, which sets it apart from other Riverdale episodes. It does feel not only very much like the other teen dramas we watched, like 90210 or the yeah. UC, uh, but it also feels like an Archie's comic. Yes. Okay. So I know when the show started, they were trying to like subvert expectations and stuff like yeah. that. I almost feel like if the show had started with this... And then and subverted expectations? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we, I don't know if we discussed it way back in season one, but it is interesting to subvert expectations on a comic that I have to believe most of their audience does not read. So, like... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, there were no expectations to subvert. But this does a pretty good job of that. Um, It will be the episode where... Look, uh, we know what year and month it is. It is September 1955. It is indeed. Uh, maybe they've reached October. It's probably still September. Uh, it doesn't feel like a lot of time has passed between the two of them. Maybe um, a week. Maybe. But it does mean that they're like something happens very early on that I'm like, that timing does not work. And the problem is... Once you start to see the seams, you become hyper aware of the seams. And there are a few seams, seams that I'm that <laughs> just going to be like, I think it may be in the, in the writer's room. Maybe you're just like, no, we got to do this thing. And I understand it doesn't technically work. But... Do you think they have just given up because they've like oh, they been doing up... this show for so long? They're like, no one notices. Aaron, they gave up people s- do notice. They, they don't gave care. Up so long ago. But it's harsh coming after... An episode that was so much about the exact time things yeah. are happening to just sort of be like, eh, whatever. It's fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. like, I'm going to say something that will not be a shock to our audience. Nothing continues forward <laughs> from last episode to this episode. Yeah, this this is, uh, hey, you know what? This is like almost like a repiloting. This is a t- new series. Look, I don't want to be a dick. This is a better pilot. Oh, um, not in the original pilot, and like I get why last episode had to be the first episode because we had to wipe Jughead's no, I'm, mind. No, I'm I'm trying to think of the like the pilot for because we watched the pilot for Riverdale twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, no, Kevin, Kevin, we watched it thrice. Oh, we did watch it three times. <laughs> um, I was I was just gonna be like probably might maybe watch it more than that. Uh, because I would say that that pilot was probably better for what they wanted the show to be. <laughs> this mm-hmm. pilot is just like a. A good teen, 1950s teen drama. And it does remember, it does remain, I would argue, better than last episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, last episode <laughs> had the issue of it had to come off of, uh, we were sent back to 1955 and Jughead remembers the future. 
which was a plot point for all of one episode. Yeah, they did that to themselves. Yeah. No one forced them to make Jughead remember. <laughs> I, I, it feels like sometimes they do episodes and then someone else comes in and is like they've tricked themselves. <laughs> and they're like, how dare I do this to myself? How dare wrote- I decide that Jughead has to remember the past? Who wrote this? Us? The writer's room? No. Fire them all. New writers. Only... <laughs> And it will be us. Only Roberto. But don't remember ourselves from the past. Oh, man. Our past selves are bad. Yeah. Current selves, great. Yeah, well, this is our current selves because this is Riverdale Season 7, Episode 2, Skip, Hop, and a Thump. Skip, Hop, and a Thump. So we begin with Jughead doing a talk, and he's specifically talking about comics. Especially horror and crime comic books. <laughs> so historically, Jughead has, when, whenever he does his monologue, that monologue ties into an overall theme of the episode. This one does not. It is just about the comics he is doing. It's yeah. only his storyline. Because in this episode, Jughead... Is not friends with the other main characters. <laughs> yeah, he will not interact with them. So. When he lost his memory, I guess he lost his friendship. To be fair, Veronica didn't no, know Veronica's, who he was. Veronica's fine. Cheryl also is Cheryl. And Archie's kind of busy. Archie's busy. Yeah. Um, And it's just Betty Betty's and Kevin. also kind of busy. <laughs> so, yeah, J- yeah, Jughead had to get other friends this episode. Yeah. Uh, so he's talking about, about comics, and it, right off the top, he believes that a story that he wrote that he sent into Pep Comics was stolen. And he and he expounds this idea to Ethel, Dilton, and Ben? Yeah, what? okay. So this is a blonde man <laughs> who I do not think is played by the orig- original Benjamin Bl- but Button. He's, but he's a blonde man, so yeah. he's got to be Benjamin. Well, I mean, doesn't get a name. It could not be Ben Button, but it is... Ethel, Dilton, and another kid. Uh, and I really want to see, I think this is a good time to bring it up. Uh, when Jughead got his memory wiped, Cole Sprouse took on a different speaking tone. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, Cole Sprouse now is he's acting from, so hard. Now he's from the 50s. Like, he no longer talks like a weird, like, 27-year-old who's also a 40-year-old uh, <laughs> horror writer. No, no, he's just a kid. Yeah, he's no longer an alcoholic. He's a child. And he's going to... He's going to make this right. He's going to go right to Pep Comics. And And he's going to confront them about stealing his story. (laughs) We have to check in on the other ongoing storyline, which is the fact that there is a sock hop happening. Yeah, and Cheryl, as the head of everything at this school, is in charge of the sock hop. You know who else is there? The serpents. Yes, we get get, uh, a bit more of a feel of what 1955... Riverdale, but also alternate dimension Riverdale, uh, is like. The serpents do exist. Mm-hmm. We'll learn later that they're actually more of like beatniks than they are. They'll keep on saying bikers, and Tony will refer to like the place they hang out as like, yeah, bikers hang out here. They're beatniks. Yeah, th- the place that they hang out is a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could make an argument that they're greasers, but... But they're not greasers. They're beatniks, that's what yeah. they are. Um, but we get this great scene where when the serpents come in, everybody just looks at everybody else. 
Fangs looks at Mid- Midge's back. Okay, so I thought that was Midge last episode, and I didn't bring it up because I wasn't quite sure. She didn't sure. have a lot to do last yeah, episode. Yeah, she had, like, so. one line. But um, Midge is back, and yeah. she is into bad boys, as she always is. Yeah, I guess so. So Fangs looks at Midge. Archie and Julian look at Veronica. Veronica looks at herself. Kevin looks at a Clay. I was supposed to say a guy that we actually do figure out that is Clay. Um, and Betty looks at Kevin. And all I could notice was, well, Betty's looking at Kevin. Behind her is Archie, turned full around in his chair, staring at Veronica for a <laughs> solid four seconds. They gave KJ no other work, just said, you, look back. It's... Everybody else is kind of staring at the back of people's heads. He's full turned around. Look, KJ Appa seems like a sweet young man. And that's the end of that sentence. This feels, no, no, this feels like direction. This feels like the director said, well, this is happening concurrently with that other thing. So what you're going to do is not move and stare at, stare awkwardly at this one. KJ, we don't know when we're going to cut away, so just keep looking. Don't wreck our continuity. Look, put Veronica at the front. She's looking at a mirror at herself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so the Sock Hop's happening. Apparently, Kevin and the crooners, he has, like, a a band. band. And, you know, they're crooners, so it's going to be, like, a barbershop quartet type thing. It's insignificant because they will not perform this episode. No, they will not. Uh, Anyway, they're going to headline the dance, but they won't. So Archie uh, is going to kick off his storyline by asking Veronica to go to the sock hop with him. And instead of Veronica being like, no, Archie, I've decided to focus on myself, or, as I said last episode. Yeah, or saying yes, because she does clearly have some form of feelings for him. She instead says, can you dance? Prove it to me. <laughs> You'll have to prove to me that you can dance. <laughs> Finish these trials and perhaps we shall go steady. All right, episode, sure. Right. This this is a very comics storyline. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> the only thing that I found very jarring all episode is it does not sync with the Veronica we literally just saw last episode, who was like, hey, if I don't hang out with any boys ever, I get to go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> was that... Was that a, a, a stake that was set up? It sure was. <laughs> Remember when the woman who was not her mother, yeah. but we claimed was her mother, Did she say her? you could come home for Thanksgiving if you don't talk to boys? Yeah, it was implied. Okay. It's the mafia. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, speaking of, I guess, talking to people you're magically interested in, uh, Tony approaches and instantly flusters Cheryl. So we're getting that kicked off. Yeah. We knew it would have to happen. Literally all Tony has to do is make one joke. Cheryl's like, hey, are you coming to my dance? Are you going to, are you asking me to the dance? Cheryl's like. And Cheryl loses her goddamn like, mind. No, no, I, 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 I can't go to the dance with anyone because I'm, because I'm, I'm making the dance. Also, you're a girl and girls don't. <laughs> g- g- girls can't go to the dance with girls. <laughs> Woo. Like it's, yeah, no, no, it's, it's 1955. Very clear. Here's what I'm going to argue. Yes. This would actually be incredibly cute if I didn't have to grapple with the previous six seasons. Yeah, you're correct. Like, it actually is, like, like this funny thing where Tony, like, just inst- instantly says one thing and Cheryl's immediately knocked off her entire game. So, you know what's wild? I read this article about how the previous episode was offensive. Yeah. And, yeah, we had our things to say yeah. about the Emmett Till storyline. Yeah. 
which the article did think was offensive. Yeah. They also thought it was extremely offensive that the show would change Cheryl's sexuality after so many seasons. Oh, they fully did not change her sexuality. She just, when, when would she have had time to... Well, e- even last episode, when they were like, oh, um... Oh my god, what's his face? James Dean yeah. is bi, and she's like, "Oh, oh, that's incorrect." Yeah, you, this is clearly a like highly strong woman who is repressing her sexuality. Yeah, we we have we have two closet storylines here going through here in different ways, which I'll say you don't get a lot of shows. A lot of shows will be like, "No, no, no, no." You do one closeted storyline, and and they do them differently. They do them differently. We actually get different vibes from each. From each one of them. So I have to give them that. And it's nuanced. Yeah. And honestly. And like, like it was obviously they weren't going to change her sexuality. She was obviously being a Cheryl Blossom well, and like, last episode. Yeah, like, and, Well, also, what were they, what did, they, did they think that episode should have happened with her immediately making out with Tony? It's, it's 1955 America. And as far as we can tell, Cheryl had never in her life met Tony yeah. until last episode when Tony, Tony bullied her into letting her read that poem. It's always funny when, like, there are things to criticize about Riverdale. We've been doing it for way too many years. But, but not I get, this. But I get weirdly defensive when someone criticizes the wrong thing. And I'm yes. like, no, 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 no. There is so much trash. You don't need to dig up stuff that isn't trash. Exactly. Let's be mad about the fact that, um... You trying to leave that into the next one? The next episode is also fine. Yeah, the next one was fine. Oh, I mean, we guess we could mention there's another lingering eye contact between Fangs and Midge. Yeah, so Sir. Fangs, what is significant about this uh, Oh, we didn't even the plot of this scene. So, Tony will not come to the dance unless Cheryl fires Kevin and lets <laughs> Fangs arrive as a singer. I'm not certain that firing was the initial point. I think the idea is that Fangs would also perform. It Later, when, we'll Ke- when Kevin is, you know, whatever. Later, when Kevin is just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not singing anymore. And it's like, but... I thought, like, it really sounded like Tony was like, oh, and also Fangs will perform. No, Tony, well, in this scene, yes. Yeah. In later scenes, Tony she, is continually like, changed her look, mind. no, Kevin's on the outs. Fangs is on the in. Yeah. Bring on in Fangs. Yeah, she has decided. <laughs> that Kevin, Kevin is lame. Kevin, I like that he's like, Kevin's on the outs. I know we're all in high school, which means he's probably only done this performance, like, twice. But he's on the outs. He's not that cool. <laughs> yeah. His record, not a chart topper. Yeah. Uh, so, Shell doesn't like that. But Jughead, meanwhile, goes to... He doesn't go to school this episode, but No, whatever. he sure doesn't. Um, he doesn't have a family to tell him that he should. No, instead he goes to the El Royale. <laughs> No, he's on. This isn't the El Royale. Yeah, that's the El Royale no, set. The, no, I, I'll tell you what this set is. This is the FBI office. Isn't that also the El Royale? No. No, I, I know it's not the same place. I know, I know, but no, different sets. The really? El, yes, this is definitely the FBI set. The El Royale set um, has a much larger uh, Open middle area. area where they would normally set up the ring that also has big doors because it also was a fire department. But this they is... also both have big glass areas. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely wow. the FBI office. Um, I definitely thought it was the L-Royale. No. Um, so he visits the FBI office um, <laughs> and this he talks to the editor who's played by an actor I recognize and I didn't look him up but 
I didn't either because I got too caught up on the fact that the principal is named Featherhead. Yes. And the editor is named Fieldstone. And those names are too similar for my brain. Well, assuming the problem that we're getting is those are also Shadowhunter names. It's true. Uh, It's two things. (laughs) So the, but this editor is, he, okay, so they clearly knew where they wanted Jughead to go and they just sort of made this scene get there. Because if I may, Aaron, this scene is just, he, Jughead comes in. He's like, "You stole my, you stole my story." And the editor is like, "I have many stories. Many stories exist. I have people are sending in slop all the time. Also, I have these, these cabinets full of my ideas that I that I'm just trying to get writers to do." Yeah. So he essentially says, "Like, I probably did steal your story because no one's writing any of the stories." Yeah. He he said he. In the same sentence, he says, I get so many writers sending in slop. And then he says, I can't find anyone to write my stories. And Jackie goes, you're looking for writers? He's like, I'm always looking for writers. And I understand that what he's going for is that I get a lot of terrible stories in. But it's funny to be like, in the same (laughs) sentence, (laughs) just this weird thing where he's like, I don't know, man. I get so many stories, but I can't find any writers. So Jackie goes, I'm, I'm a writer. writer. I'll write one of your stories. And the guy's like, cool. Here's a log line. Turn it into a seven-page story by tomorrow. He seems confused that he's a writer. Like, he came in. He sent you a story. So. <laughs> I, I think I think what. Is implied. What, no, well, yeah, what actually is happening is that essentially Jughead sent the story and no one. Like, what they do when you. Because you don't just send in stories unprompted. Yeah. I bet just no one looked at it and they threw it out. Yeah. It, or it went to the slush pile. Yeah. Like, and I bet it just was never looked at. So that's. Or else he would already kind of know what Jughead's writing is like. Um, this also feels like just a way to get him out of the office. Just like, yeah, sure, take this log line and write a seven-page story by tomorrow. But luckily, Jughead, despite the fact that he doesn't have his memory, is a 27-year-old man in a teenager's body. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. But we won't go there now. First, Betty's going to teach Archie how to dance. And this scene is so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go through the scene and then I'll do the thing that uh, <laughs> took me out of it. Okay. So Betty puts on a record yep. and she tries to teach Archie how to do the twist. Yes. And Archie can only twist with his shoulders, not his hips. Well, you know what, pro- do you know what he's probably having trouble with? The twist didn't come out till 1960. So that's what wrecked Kevin's brain. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like they said that. I'm like, no, the twist wasn't a 50. Like, yes, technically, not Chubby Checker, the one who did it before him. Um, the one that they, because when it came out, uh, an art, uh, a singer did the song, The Twist, which was The Twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chubby Checker recorded it because he's more popular. Um, he's more uh, uh, appropriate for the youths. He's white? Um, Is it racism? No, I think the first one was also white. Okay. He, just, he just also, like, did a song that was a bit too sexy early on. And oh, they're like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. You talked about a butt. Because we'll learn about how people feel about sexiness in this episode. Yes. Uh. So, and he, and like, I'm not going to say that people did weren't doing the twist beforehand. Apparently, he start, did the song because he saw teenagers doing the twist. But maybe it wasn't called that. Well, specifically, Betty says something simple and classic, the twist, and it's 1955. And I'm just like... My brain. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, and that set me off for the rest of this episode, constantly being like, I don't think this is the right timing for what you're saying. Like, one, as I said earlier, once you once you make the seam, and I notice the seam, the only reason I know this is because I was listening to another podcast and I talked about the twist. Fair. So it just happened to be a thing that I came in. It was in, immediately in your brain. But I'm just like, oh, God, 
No. Well, no. that's the reason why, if I may talk about a different TV show, yeah. um, the Goldbergs never says what year in the 80s it takes place. Yeah. And he's like very honest that he's like, look, I don't think I remember what order things happened in. Yeah. I'm just telling stories about being a teenager. But, but this one, last episode, was September 1955. Like, it was so harshly this year. And if there's one thing we know about Riverdale is they are bad at timelines. Yeah, so once again, I the, the seam the seam appeared. Um it's also kind of annoying because it does it, it was just a reference. The, the it's he as soon as Archie can't do the twist, they just start slow dancing. Well, and Archie could have done he like could, Betty could have been like, "Okay, let's dance to some fast music. Try moving your hips like this." Yes, they could have. They could have just done something that was very twist-like that wasn't the twist. But she says, "Simple and classic, the twist." So they could reference the twist. It was just, it was just a reference. It could have been any song, and she says, "Okay, let's find the beat. Move your hips like this." Yeah. And then he, when he dances with his shoulders, it's very funny and very cute. <laughs> this is a very cute scene, and. Perfect timing because as soon as I start slow dancing, boom, in comes Alice Cooper. Classic Alice Cooper. Does she suck? Yes, she does. Does she hate Archie? Yes. Why? It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter what year it is. Look, in this, in this, like 1955, she probably hates him because he has a dead dad. (laughs) How dare you have a dead dad? How can you be a man if you don't have a dad to teach you how to be a man? You don't have a nuclear family. Your dad's been dead for three years. You got hot over the summer, but that doesn't matter. And we will find out this episode. He He did did get get hot hot over over the the summer. summer. That definitely is... (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, so we got to uh, check out some more with Jughead. He goes to get his story that he wrote read by his good friend, Ethel. His best, best friend, Ethel, who thinks he's a great writer. But boy, does Ethel want to also do comics. Yeah, it turns out she's a great artist. And in this scene, I did think she wanted to write for them, but it becomes immediately clear not long yes. afterwards. She is a drawer. Yeah. She, she is not a scientist in the 1950s. No, 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 no. Women can't be scientists in the 1950s. Or lawyers. <laughs> um, <laughs> she wants She wants to be an artist. Now, also, here's something important to keep in mind. Women also can't be artists in the 1950s. <laughs> um, so, so she's really, her avenues are just getting closed she off. She has no options. Um, so, but she is a very, very good artist to the point that I'm just like, I mean, I guess it's 1950s, like self-publishing is not really a thing in 1950s. If this was today, these two could just do a webcomic. Oh yeah. And they would become immediately very famous. Oh yes. Yes. It's it, great. Uh, but, uh, Jughead makes a promise. He's like, well, if I get accepted, maybe I could like put your name forward. I'm just like, and as someone who's. In the artistic realm, I'm like, don't make that promise. Because you don't know what you can do. You will have zero sway. Yeah. As an entry-level artist, no sway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Cheryl makes an insane choice that I love. <laughs> okay, so we go to Makeout Ridge. Remember oh, yeah. that from the first season? The place where people go to make out in their cars? Aaron, no, they go to the river. This is apparently a uh, some sort of precipice that hangs over the town. No, didn't they go there when... Uh, Veronica went on a date with Chuck and then she got the sticky maple? Maybe. I think they were on Makeout Ridge. I mean, the thing is that it doesn't matter if it's a thing in, like, Riverdale. It is a common trope. They go to Makeout Point. There's a bunch of 50s cars all in a row. But who else goes to Makeout Point? (laughs) Cheryl goes to interrupt people in the middle of their makeouts to ask them to buy tickets to the sock hop. And I'm like, yeah, she knows where her audience is. And she goes to find them. She's like, who goes to sock hops? 
horny teens. Look, girl boss, sell those tickets. So she goes to the foggiest car <laughs> in existence. It's like, hey, did you get your sock hop tip and they tickets? they roll down the window. Oh, no. It's Midge and Fangs. And Midge is, like, trying to hide. And Cheryl's like, oh, what is Serpent with, with a vixen. Yes. Uh, yeah, this plot line won't go anywhere but i i assume it's a setup for something else and to like it, it's character stuff for Cheryl. it's fine oh poor midge midge like only makes out with gay guys i think fangs is bi oh, that's true moose is also bi mm, i or is moose I, only I, gay m- moose gay the, with the, the beard implication, the implication i got was that moose was just closeted yeah um poor but midge I, and until it's confirmed everyone's bi it's so, true. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of Kevin, uh, Kevin and Betty are just... Not making out. Yeah, they're chastely sitting in a car looking forward because Kevin's got things on his mind. And Betty's finally... Boy little, things. Betty's finally like, hey, I've been your girlfriend for like six months. Are you going to ask me to the dance? That means we're are in you love. Going, are you going to kiss me? Are you going to ask me to go steady? Are you going to do anything a boyfriend does? Yeah. Uh, She tries to kiss him and he's like, oh, cool. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) And his answer to all of her questions is like, but why should I have to? Well, I just feel like, I mean, I'm playing there. So obviously you'd like go there to to cheer me on. He calls her a sex maniac. He does call her a sex maniac. I don't know. What happened? You're like a sex maniac. And she's like, what? It's not a sex (laughs) maniac. I just want to kiss my boyfriend. Like, I'm trying to kiss you and have a conversation, Um, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then she hits with a bit of 1950 slang. We're going to have to explain because it is a plot point at this point. She says, you haven't even pinned me. And thankfully, Kevin, who doesn't understand slang, is like, why would I do that? (laughs) Why why would I pin you? And Betty's like, look, when you like a girl and you want to pledge your commitment, you should give her a ping, a pin. Or a ring. I, or, like, literally anything to be like, hey, girl, I think you're cool. Because we have given this show a lot of guff for just reading things off of Wikipedia articles, I want to say whoever wrote this scene knew how to explain something without having someone explain something. She, yes. Because she said, you haven't even pinned me. And he goes, I don't know what that means. I'm not, like, on a varsity team. And she goes, it doesn't have to be a pin. You could also give me a ring. Something that says that, like, we are together. And I'm like, oh, cool. So a I get that. Yeah, a normal thing for a teenager <laughs> to say to a different teenager. Yes, a normal human thing that didn't sound like she was reading it off a Wikipedia article. Whoever you got that wrote this scene, whoever you got that wrote this episode, just give them the rest of the series. Yeah, they should write the rest of the nonsense because they say things in a way that humans <laughs> would say things. But still explain things to the audience. Uh, so, yes, that's their situation. Uh, speaking of like situations, situations, Jughead again doesn't go to school. Yep, he goes to the comic, the comic place, and the editor is like, eh, "It's you know, it's pretentious, clunky, too much dialogue." And I'm like, "Oh God, he's just explaining Riverdale." <laughs> like that's yeah. I, I don't. They might have done it on purpose. I bet there's probably reviews that say it's pretentious, clunky, and too much dialogue. So it's like a reference to that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but you know, they like it, so he's hired. Yeah. He wrote a great zombie story. Good for him. Well, thankfully and for him also. He's got that friend who's a great artist. And the <laughs> editor's pro- producer, publisher, is like, okay, yeah, if your friend can also produce something amazing <laughs> overnight, sure. Yeah, well, so what he says, because <laughs> he's like, all right, hey, uh, guy, Barkley. Sure. 
uh, whatever the assistant <laughs> is. So get us, oh, get us an artist to write this up, to draw this up. And that's what gives, uh, fortunately, Jughead the end to be like, well, I know an artist. And they're talented and smart and cheap. And then the editor goes, huh? <gasps> cheap? Cheap? Free? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, they got that in. And he, he says he wants seven pages by tomorrow. And look, look, we're not drawers, but you tried to do a comic book. You know how fast it, you can draw. It takes a long time to do that. And I, like, I know he's not thinking like, oh, she's a teenager who's in school. But just like a human being. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be like t- maybe at the earliest, maybe it's nine o'clock. I don't know. It's a lot to be like. Yeah, he, he has given her 24 hours yeah. probably. You know, you, you have to get the time 24 hours or else I'm going to want your, want your pen and your ink on this table. And your badge. I guess artists have badges as well. <laughs> Uh, um, back to ye old school. Yes. Remember last episode when we met um, Clay Walker. Clay Walker. Yes. He he was the person who who we were like Chuck. Yeah. Well, because Chuck was like Chuck's name is Chuck Clayton, and this guy's name is Clay Walker, Walker. and he is a boy played by a twenty seven year old man because this is Riverdale and everyone's played by twenty seven year olds. Well, especially when they were playing twenty seven year olds. And it would be uncomfortable if he wasn't playing this role. Well also like you just gotta make sure that you just you just need to make sure all your teens look the same. Yeah. Like you just ha- you you cast thirty year olds as teenagers and fifty year olds as thirty year olds and sixty year olds as fifty year olds. But Clay Walker is a boy who has transferred to this school because his dad used to be military. He says it in such a suspicious way that I'm intrigued. And he also knows how to play the piano. Yes. He, well, he's he's in the sexy music room. And what happens in the sexy music room? Sexy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is all we will know about him. Those three facts we just said yeah. is what we will know about Clay Walker, other than the fact that he really <laughs> likes Kevin he's Keller. He's very into Kevin. Kevin's like, oh, hey, you're playing the, the piano. I'm... You know, practice. It's like, I know everything about you. You have a girlfriend. You're in a band. You're very attractive. And I think maybe you could tell me who I could ask to the dance because I would like to go to the dance with you, Kevin Keller. I want to go to the sock hop. But who should I ask? Who should I ask the sock hop? And Kevin's like, oh, people go stag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kevin Keller. You poor, sweet summer child. No, you poor, sweet teen in 1955. Uh, so this is followed up by someone else, uh, you know, asking some people out because uh, Archie goes to show Veronica, by the way, I can dance. And she goes, yeah, actually, I kind of just believed you could. Yeah, I believe that you could trip the light fantastic. Oh, here's so. And I am so glad that 1955 Veronica is the same as 2023 Veronica. Well, unfortunately, she's too much the same because she calls him a Troy Donahue type. Troy Donahue, who began acting in 1957. His first role was in 1957. What? Just say Clark Gable. Yeah. Or or, or if you want dancing, say Danny Kaye. I the thing like it's say Fred Astaire. I'm saying that, that Troy Donahue is not a. I don't think it's a well recognized enough name that they, they they should be like. Well, if we can't do that reference, what are we gonna do? Okay, well, Troy Donahue was a reference from Greece. Yeah, the musical. Well, unfortunately, even Troy Donahue lost his heart to Sandra D. Well, unfortunately, 
1957. Yeah, because Grease takes place in 1959. Perfect. So uh, Veronica decided, yeah, you can probably dance. But instead, I want to know if you can talk to me. About politics and art and current events. So now. And be witty. She effectively asks him on a date. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah, come to my house and we'll talk about things. And uh, and I just want to say. This is perfect. It fe- doesn't this feel like an Archie comics? It so line? does. Like Archie does something to impress Veronica, and she changes her mind. So he does. So now he has to learn something else. And uh, just spoiler alert: it's not a date. She invited all of the young men of the school over for a salon. Yeah, which is also very Veronica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Per- pitch perfect so good uh meanwhile after archie leaves um betty who has just been standing with her back and no one archie didn't yeah. notice best friend best friend <laughs> well i guess he was distracted by veronica she, she was overhears. just standing there listening and is like excuse me i couldn't help it overhearing how do you make boys do what you want oh she's fascinated by veronica's confidence uh so veronica will be like well you know, if you're having trouble with uh, Kevin, what you should do is you should invite another guy to the sock hop to make Kevin jealous. And I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a Veronica plan. <laughs> yeah, it very much is. Perfect, perfect. Again, so good for comic book Veronica. So good for teen drama. She, Not great for Veronica from last episode, who was like, hey, no boys ever, but that's fine. She ha- yeah, you know how this works. Everybody has to go on the same journey two or three times. <laughs> Just to make sure it sticks. Yeah. Uh, so Cheryl is continuing her hard sell of tickets. But it <laughs> turns out that people are returning their tickets. Yeah, because apparently, because she said that fangs couldn't play, the serpents are just going to throw eggs at people going to the dance. So Tony's also playing hardball i guess oh yeah <laughs> yeah everyone's committed <laughs> so now cheryl is Cheryl's like well f- fine i guess I'll, i'm gonna have to go and talk to this tony topaz <laughs> i have to kill someone <laughs> <laughs> um but before cheryl can kill someone yeah. archie's suit doesn't fit oh yeah because he, he got hot over the summer that that is the implication i got as well he definitely got he definitely got much more buff over the summer because he comes in he's like mom there's a problem <laughs> he cuts over and he's just like the his the sleeves are too short and it's tight. button and he's like mom it's <laughs> so funny it's so good so of course of course this is a lead-in to him getting his dad's suit um, yeah, he's he's so it's it it's it's such good. This is such good like character stuff here because we see what his entire thing with like why he's doing all this for Veronica. He's like, well, she's practically a movie star. Like he is infatuated. Yeah, he is dazzled her. by yeah, her. Like he's and he is a very like simple, sweet like. Da- like he feels like someone who should be working the field somewhere. Yeah, and his mom is like, "Well, I-, I don't really like that this girl is testing you." Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Molly Ringwald Andrews is getting a bit of an idea like this could be, you know what? Though you you have fun. Uh, they talk a little bit about poems. And yeah, I, apparently I'll... Luke Perry Andrews used to write poems. I had to be like, "Wait, hold on, hold on a second. Were they poems or were, or they, were they songs?" songs? <laughs> no. They were poems. They were poems. And Archie's like, oh, I could write a poem. <laughs> and I'm going to need my best friend to help me figure out if the poem's good. Betty. <laughs> <laughs> not Jughead. Not the writer. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> so he goes to so he goes to Betty and tells the poem. Apparently, it's very sweet. I'm gonna say right now. We hear it later, and it's fine. It is a poem a 16 year old boy yeah, would write. Yeah, he's a teenager giving a poem to another teenager. It's, it's cute. It's also a good sign to me that I still believe that Veronica's lying about all of her nonsense <laughs> because you're being impressed by. Yeah. It's it is a it like it, the sweetness of it comes from the fact that he wrote it for someone. That is the sweetness of it. So the next scene takes place in the secret speakeasy. It's now called the dark room, and it is a coffee bar. Yep, it's a coffee shop. Um, that's why that's why I said these are beatniks. Like everyone's sitting around reading books, and like the music that's playing is like slam poetry music. And like Tony will tell Cheryl to go and get a cappuccino and wait to see Fangs perform. Yep, I'm still. Curious if this is underneath Pop Tates. It has to be. It has to be. It's, it is the same, exact same set. Which, this is an insane and she came thing down to into be under it. Pop Tates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Pop Pops is pretty cool, I guess. Pops though he, pretty, Though he's gone. He is, well, no, he. Pops and Tabitha and, um, I, oh. I can't think of anybody else from the line. They're, they all okay, left. But Pops is Tabitha's grandfather. Yeah. So in this time-shifted realm, is he still her grandfather? Yes. And sh- so she went on a journey with her mother and her father. I thought she mentioned him. Oh, maybe he's still hanging around then. Um, because the thing you have to remember is that because they didn't just travel in time, they kind of just, like, took their area of the world and sh- shoved it back. Yeah. They're in, like, a different universe. Yes, it's, that's right. It's like instead of time traveling, they made time travel around them. Yes. And they figured out who they were in their new time. Yeah. Although, who is still not here this episode? Reggie. No. Where we, is Reggie? No, we have Julian. <sighs> so, um, yeah. So, Cheryl's going to hang around and uh, listen to Fang's play. I thought we were going to hear him play because I'm like, you never, you never put it like. Don't do a musical number. Don't do a musical number. number. I think maybe to make it like really striking when he does it later. But apparently he's amazing. Yeah. Um, so Archie arrives at Veronica's house, and Veronica is wearing a dress that is straight out of the comic books. Oh, yeah, the, the big giant bow. Yeah, yeah, I was, like, very critical of her costumes last episode. This episode, I'm like, yeah, no, you stole the, like, someone saw this in a comic panel, because she is wearing, like, a geometric purple and black dress with buttons and a tie. Yeah. And it's so good. Now, poor Archie, he has arrived with his poem and his, he has, he has chocolate and he has a poem and he has his flowers. But, oh, no, there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of other suitors, including <sighs> Julian, and they're talking about Eisenhower and whether he'll run for a second term. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. You're talking about what your parents say that yeah. Eisenhower should do because you you're 16 years old. You guys don't have opinions. You don't <laughs> even have the internet. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to do an argument where it's like, oh, 16-year-olds can't talk about um, important things. They obviously can. But that's definitely but not, not what's happening in not there. Not rich kids in the 1950s. No, no. They're, they're just listening to what their parents say about Eisenhower. And then they're going to say it to each other because that's the smartest people they know. Exactly. Uh, Meanwhile. <laughs> I would have I left at this point, but I don't know. Archie's, but, but Archie's too sweet. Yeah. Um. So while <laughs> this is going on, Betty is washing dishes with her mom. And she tells her mother that she might have feelings have, for Archie in the weirdest way possible. I feel like I have stirrings. <laughs> she <laughs> she does talk like a child who was raised in a locked room. Um, <laughs> as an, an urge inside me 
towards Archie. It flutters, Mother. (laughs) Mother, something's fluttering within me. Is it a demon? Uh, I did have to remind myself. I'm like, oh, right. Alice Cooper has not shattered Betty's trust in her by filling her full of drugs and and steal and reading her reading her diary, diary gaslighting her. Yeah, so Betty trusts her mom. Now her mom, as we said earlier, is I not think, trustworthy. Hates Archie. Yeah, hates Archie. She's like, oh, I appreciate that you told me this information. Do you think that perhaps maybe the reason why you're feeling this way is because you're underappreciated by Kevin? Betty's like, I guess so. It's like, what's your problem with Archie? Because it like it like zooms in her aggressively scrubbing some uh, some pots. I'm like, what is happening here? Look, Archie (laughs) doesn't have a dad, and Kevin has a dad. Yeah, whether or not he has a mom is up in the air. Yeah, I mean he has a mother, but yeah, but uh, but Alice at this point is on team anyone but Archie. Uh, So Ethel did a very good job of. Of, of drawing. She's such a good drawer, such but good also drawer. she's a girl. Will people accept her as a girl? And Jughead's like, I don't know. I think that'd be foolish if they didn't. I'm like, oh, Jughead. Oh, you sweet summer child. Oh, you 27-year-old from 2020. I, I, the 20s, let me make sure we 25. Yeah, yeah. But I know we keep saying 27. I think 20. Because it's 2027. That's what it is, yeah. Uh, but Ethel's like, oh, that's sweet. Hey, by the way. Sock hop and Jughead's like, yeah, we could go as friends. I think there'd be good food at a dance. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like so perfect, so amazingly perfect. Jughead's like, yeah. It is again classic comic books. And then in a parallel to an earlier scene, once again, a boy's got in a girl's room, but in this case, Ethel's mom is not cool, threatening. Horrifying. Oh, she is scary. Oh yeah, yeah. At, at any time we're at Ethel Muggs's house is yeah. horror. It's like hereditary. The, the Muggs parents, not great. Yeah, they did a re- they did a real good job of making that entire house feel like the worst place to be. So Mrs. Muggs pops on in and is enraged that Ethel has a boy in her room. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm just leaving. I'm a boy who lives in a train car. I don't have a home. You have a door. That's cool. I love that. I live with a dog. <laughs> I don't know where my parents are. No one has told me. Look, I don't have any memories. <laughs> my memories feel foggy and distant, like I'm trying to reach toward a ghost that I cannot touch. Goodbye. <laughs> so <laughs> this moves directly back into Archie's salon with veronica and, and veronica starts this scene with a classic <sighs> veronica line where she's like hey so i told mr sinatra that he didn't so- sing that song nearly as well as elvis and everyone goes ha, 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 ha. and archie's like what who are these people and this is what i'm like like oh she better be lying like, she has to be she lying. has to be lying because the thing is is that she doesn't if either she's lying or it's not written well and honestly this episode is, is so, well written is well done enough that i'm I'm actually on the side that she's lying again. The last episode was a bit weird about it because she doesn't come off like a sophisticated, high society, like Hollywood person. She comes off like a tag along name dropper. Yeah, just doing buzzwords. Yeah. And she's like, oh, but these people know who Sinatra and Elvis are, so I'll just name drop their stuff. And I imagine probably what actually happened is that she went to a party with her parents and stood in the corner and there was Sinatra and Elvis and she looked at them and went, yeah. Yeah, they like me. <laughs> I'm in a room with them. Mm. 
So Archie does not laugh at this story because no. he is the same as me and Kevin. Yeah. And Veronica goes, Archiekins, you've been so quiet. Yeah. She she does try to coax him out. I, I think it's worth mentioning that she did earlier say to Betty, this is a, like, she said to Betty, this is the plan she's going to do. I don't think she has interest in any of these other people. No, I agree. I think she does have interest in, in Archie more than them. But she wants Archie to fight for her because and she, she doesn't, doesn't know yeah, well, how else to understand his affections. Exactly. So she does try to coax him to be like, hey, you're looking at a painting. And Archie's like, I like Norman Rockwell. And I'm like, yeah, you do, I guess. And then Julian's like, no, Monet. I watched the movie Titanic and they reference Monet in that. Oh. <laughs> Your father is dead. <laughs> that's that's that is ridicule. It is, His ridicule is your dad died in the Korean War. <laughs> My father was too rich to go to the war, <laughs> which definitely is what happened. Yep. Um. So Archie, uh, almost kills Julian. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't touch him. But, but he, he will say that later. How he was very ready oh, to yeah. kill him. Oh, he gives him some good lines. He's like, "I have to leave, Veronica. I would hate to spill some blue blood and all your nice stuff." And I'm like, "Yes. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, Julian you know. sucks." So he's out, and I'm like, "Good for you, Archie. Good for you. Yeah. Have some. Have some." Pride in yourself. Yeah, don't buy into Veronica's stupid games. Yeah. And Veronica kind of, you know, also realizes her games are yeah. stupid. So she tries to visit him the next day, but unfortunately for her, it's not Archie at the door. Oh no, it's Molly Ringwald Andrews. Oh yeah, and she gives her a good chew out. Who will also explain to her that her games are dumb. And Archie is a sweet, simple boy she, who can't understand that Veronica is the villain. Yeah, there, there's there's a moment there where I feel like she's a bit too mean to her son, but she brings around in the end when she's like, he blamed himself and he blamed Julian, and he didn't realize that you set them against each other. And then and then Veronica's like, well, because my parents are actors, and the the stare <laughs> that Molly Greenwald actually gives her is just is. It, it's it's amazing. It's, it's somehow a stare that is deafening. <laughs> and then she essentially closes the door on a teenage girl, being like, "Nope, you're not a part of this." Oh, it's so good. Oh, bless the Andrews. <laughs> All right. So in in another scene of a parent talking to a there's so many parallels to this. To another parent talking to a teenager, but in a lot a lot more. Uh, Foreboding way, uh, Alice and Kevin have a little bit of a talk. Yeah, so Alice Cooper invited Kevin over to be like, Hey, I hear you and Betty are having some problems. Let me give you the pin that Hal gave to me for you to give to Betty. No no one needs to know it came from me. Well, well, I'm just worried that, like, if I... I'm going to translate this stuff a little bit to, like, modern speak. Yeah. I'm worried that if I, like, lead her on, she'll expect more out of a relationship that I'm not able to give her. And Alice is like, no, you just... Give her this and she'll be satisfied. Look, girls are dumb (laughs) and sweet and stupid. There are two moments, like... the writing in this is great. Is great. Like I'm not gonna say it's like top tier, amazing, anything. Ever, it's a really good River, Riverdale yeah. writing. Though. Um, but we get two parallels here. We also get earlier. Veronica says boys are simple. They just want these things. And now yeah. we get Alice saying girls are simple. They just want these things. Look. So Alice the- says if you give Betty a pin, she will never want to sleep with you. She just wants reassurance and cuteness. <laughs> like that's. 
Okay. Sure. <laughs> Alice, what do you want for your daughter? Because Alice appears to know you, yeah, she that just, Kevin is never going to sleep with Betty. I, I, I feel like Which I guess ch- is what she wants. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if she does know. I don't, I don't know if I would say that I believe that she did. But I do think there's a lot of evidence there that I think that could be a reasonable – that she know, she suspects something about Kevin. Which actually, as I was saying, I was like, what do you want for your daughter? I'm like, oh, no. She wants Betty to remain, like, virginal and pure yeah. and, like, untouched forever. Yeah. So binding her to a guy who will never want to touch her is exactly what Alice wants. Yeah, that I think I think that's, that's exactly there. I just like the theme of this episode is people saying that people are simple when people – when it, it's an episode about how complex people are. Yeah. So uh, – we got a quick scene where now that Fangs, I guess, is playing, Tony is now hard selling the tickets. Yeah, Tony and Cheryl on board. Yep. They bully Dilton into buying five tickets. So I guess the sock hop's happening. Speaking of Dilton Doily, remember how last episode I was like, okay, they hired an Asian teacher. Yeah. Which for the theme of racism in this episode yeah. is complicated. That's that's Dr. Doily. It's Dilton's dad. He didn't die in before. <laughs> He died before he did die, he didn't did. he? And that's why he was, po- he was he was killed by um uh, uh Penelope Blossom. But I'm trying to remember when it happened. It happened before the series, I think. Yes, because that's why Dilton became a um doomsday prepper. prepper right. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, so I guess he didn't get killed in his youth. I guess there was there's no Griffins and Gargoyles in this one. Uh well, I guess because D- the idea of TTRPGs didn't exist. It until happens then. in the future. So Penelope, in the past. Yeah. So Penelope didn't have a chance. <laughs> it happened uh, twenty-seven years in the in the past. Future. In the future. Um. So anyway, Ethel was drawing during his class, which yeah. is a problem because she was drawing horror things. Yeah, she was drawing scary stuff, and because this is the nineteen fifties, and you have Doctor Mangala. Yeah, he's still there. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Dr. Werther's is so intimidating and, like, they do a good job of just making the authority figures at this school just be, like, terrible authority figures. Like, yeah. he he's like, well, we're just worried that, like, that the stuff you're drawing is so... Uh, so terrifying. What what about you made you want to draw this? Are you having dreams, nightmares, movies? And like, she's like... I had an assignment for a job. It almost feels like he would like he was one step away from being like, did the communists make you draw this? Like he's he's trying to figure out something that he can be. Like he's the kind of guy who who in you know probably thirty years, well I guess forty years would be like video games are making kids uh, evil. The reason that school shootings happen is Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, because here he's he's definitely trying to be like. Did you watch a movie and now you want to do dark things? So he's and she gets a week's detention for drawing zombies. Yeah, she sure does. Ooh. Oof. Right. Okay. So uh moving on from that. And the scene um, I quite enjoy. Archie hat Archie comes to apologize to Veronica because once again he does not see her at fault. As the problem. Um and this scene I think is really really good because number one we agree and we set up from uh Molly we he doesn't need to apologize to Veronica and Veronica doesn't accept responsibility mm. but they do the scenes because like she does what Veronica does best 
Things get hard, so she does the same thing she did at the end of the last episode. Oh, well, I'm not going to go with anyone. With, I'm going stay. With so many people to choose. I can't just choose such one. And I'm like, okay, so she does feel bad for Archie, but the only way she knows how to make it up is like this self-flagellating, um, pitying way of doing it where she, she'll, she'd rather like martyr herself than grow as a person. Well, and he does at one point be like, what was this all about? And she's like, oh, well, it was a game for fun. Yeah. And and I would say like, like we have done arguments that Veronica will say things like that and then the show won't push back against her and it would, it would feel like we're on her side. This does not feel like we're on her side. Archie no. is clearly upset. He gets some good like chewing into her and then he's portrayed sympathetic and he gets the walk away. He gets to be the one to be like, all right. Yeah. yeah. And and even in the next scene where she like connects with Betty, yeah. the episode is like very clear. Veronica effed this Ver- up. Yeah, Veronica is is wrong. I like how also in the scene when she's talking to Betty, when she's like, Oh, I guess I was she still does a thing where she's like, I guess I was being mean and I guess I'll have to go alone. So once again, she's still self penalizing rather than look rather than trying to grow as a person. But you know, there does seem to be some growth. Well, there. And then Betty points out, she's like, well, didn't you hear Archie's poem and you still did that? This is the thing that makes it clear that Betty does not know exactly what Veronica did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably a good decision on uh, Veronica's part because Betty would not be on her side. No, she sure would not <laughs> nope. be. Because I think Betty's just of the mind like, yeah, Archie went to your house for like a date and you... Decided to you go decide... with Julian or no, no one? Yeah, you decided to go with no one. I guess that's weird, but you didn't like the poem? Uh, but no, Betty now finds out that Archie's going with no one. And then ethereal synth music plays. It's a it's a bit early. That's the 80s. But it's really works as she's like slowly walking towards Archie as like this synth go- plays behind and her. Look, I have to be honest. I would like this show to end with Archie and Betty together. <laughs> they they are better than Archie and Veronica, unless if Veronica gets like a gets a real good redemption arc. Yeah, some real good self awakening. Yeah, but uh, but Veronica's Veronica's, uh, Veronica's better outcome, alone. Veronica's outcome has always been that she should learn to become better her, by herself. Yes, Veronica needs to be comfortable in her own girl boss nature, and yes. she does not need a man to prop her up. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, as Betty approaches Archie, Kevin's there to ruin everything. <sighs> so Kevin pulls her into the sexy music room, mm-hmm. yeah. and he apologizes. He's like, I guess Fang's is really good, and we're not going to play it, so do you want to... Go to the dance with me, because now I need a date? Do you want to go steady with me? He tells her she's the ginchiest. Gotta love that slang. <laughs> oh, God. They They went through a night... Hey... I'm not going to criticize them. When I had to write something that was like 1950s-ish, I just looked up 1950s slang dictionaries. Yeah, I like that he called her the ginchiest. Do it. Ginchy is surely a word. <laughs> Do it, my boys. Uh, so, and yeah. he tells her he loves her. Yeah, and she goes, oh. Which, to be fair, I do believe that Kevin loves her. Yeah. Just like. Not in that way. Not in that way. Yeah. Uh, and when you're, and you know, he's closeted like that. He does. He's having. He's a teenager who's closeted, trying to figure out his feelings. He's like, I guess probably this is love. I in, care about you a lot. In the 1950s, like this boy does not know anyone who yeah, is gay. He, he has no representation for what 
that feeling feels like. And like he knows he doesn't want to kiss her. He knows mm-hmm. he doesn't want to sleep with her. But he likes her a lot and he enjoys his time with her. Yeah. Uh, he also cannot put her pin on her so she does it herself. <laughs> I'm going to be very clear. Um, I don't care what age or what thing you're at. Don't put a pin on someone. That is a sharp object. You, The person who has the skin that will be pinned needs to be the one in charge of the pin. <laughs> Fair. Uh, now... Uh, Ethel has skipped attention uh, to go and shoot her shot. So this upsets, of course, the evil Dr. Werther. And I, I'm going to say this right now because I didn't bring this up before because it seems like we're going to get a lot of Featherhead. Yeah. Principal Featherhead is the is a racist turtle that has been cursed with human form. <laughs> it's true. Um, <laughs> that is that is what he is. That is who he is. At his core, that is who he is meant to be. Um and he does not like hearing that a student has skipped school. He does not yeah. like that. So uh, they have to call her parents. Talk to her parents. But Ethel shooting her shot, and she, her, we see this. We actually you know we saw her drawings actually when uh, they were looking at them at the in the principal's office earlier. Her drawings are very good. Yeah, very good. And the publisher loves them. Yeah, the, these kids, they got legs. They must be a couple to work so well together. <laughs> no, yeah, you know that. I'll give. <laughs> Mr. Fieldstone, he he goes. Oh, you do like you're like your boyfriend girlfriend, and Jughead goes. No, we're just friends, but we are going to a sock hop together. Everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, like he, <laughs> all right, buddy. Like he good gets, luck with that. He gets that she has feelings for him, but Jughead doesn't see the same way, and he's like, as long as you guys can do the work, <laughs> whatever. Um, so that's uh, so good. Good for these. Good for them. Good for these teenagers. So meanwhile, Smithers went through Veronica's garbage and uh, delivers her the poem. You could make an argument that it's like, oh, he was cleaning out the garbage. He found the poem. No, like, no, no Smithers spying on her. Yeah. We know how this works. We saw last episode. Which means he was also paid by her parents to go through her garbage. But like Smithers is playing both sides. Yeah, no, he maybe maybe the poem touched him. Then he was like, oh, what a sweet poem. It rhymes. Four words. But speaking of people who are not touched by things going on in their teenagers' lives, Ethel's parents are scary. (laughs) Oh, they are horrifying. This scene is shot. This scene is shot like a scene from Euphoria. So her parents are not happy that she skipped attention. They are angry alcoholics. Yes. And this is not fun. No, it is not. It is a horrifying scene and it's shot very great. Like, it's, it's not even shot like a confrontation from the OC. This is a this is definitely a show that was made in 2023. Yeah, this this is a modern yeah. scary parent scene. Yeah. And uh, it is very scary. Uh but that does so she's like they're like you're not going to the sock hop. She's like I'm going to the sock hop. So slam door shut and we move to the, the sock, sock hop. hop. And we get a, a few like very quick things. Uh Kevin and Clay kind of flirt. Uh, Clay is very sad that Kevin's not going to be able to sing because he loves to see cute boys sing. Oh, the aggressive innuendo whenever these two talk is it, it's enlightening. Now, I don't love they brought in another character for Kevin. Um, <laughs> but I will say this episode gives me the Kevin Keller storyline stuff I wanted. The... Th- uh, the it, it is... I, I appreciate that they at least aren't just going to retry what they did before. Like, okay, well, Kevin's going to get with Fangs, and Cheryl and Tony are going to get together, and Archie and Betty are going to get together, and, like, they aren't just retreading 
the like they they aren't trying to get it to the exact same point it was. No, they are letting Kevin yes. go on a journey, and I appreciate yeah. that. Um, so Kevin and Clay flirt. Fangs does very good rock and roll. Okay, but like, there's no way these songs that Ke- that Fangs sings at the sock hop he ever sang in that beatnik bar. Oh no, no, no! Like the beatnik bar was way too chill. I mean, I guess you know we've been to places where all of a sudden the mood changes. Uh, like but he no, sings he, Tutti Fruity, yeah. and then later he sings another like very famous 1950s ballad. Yes, yeah. Uh, these, yeah, these songs are like heavy rock and roll. It's he he's got a real like not not like like mid early Elvis vibe. Yeah, it's not Elvis, it's, it, but it's Elvis adjacent. It's not, it's not like it's not like the King, but it's yeah. Uh, Cheryl and Tony uh, dance, dance together. together, and it infuriates the Turtle Man. Okay, so they are not like they're barely dancing together. They're like dancing near each other. Dancing each other, looking at each other. Like, each other. <laughs> oh God, girls dancing near each other. <laughs> they are making eye contact when they should be making eye contact with boys. Which I also wouldn't like because kids shouldn't have sexuality. <laughs> God, Featherhead. all these kids should just retreat into their shells and eat leaves. <laughs> and then Veronica approaches Archie yeah. and she reads the poem to him. I, I, I wanted to say, say one thing because I've been keeping this a theme throughout. She says like, like, eh, he really could be the next the next Chuck Berry. I'm like, I feel like it's a bit early for it a is Chuck, early Berry for reference Chuck Berry reference because for for reference, Back to the Future. He went back in time to November 1955, and that's when they do the Hey, it's your cousin. Marvin Berry? Yeah, again, too early. Like, I, well, but here's what I'll give you. It is coming from Veronica, so maybe she's a bit more up. He was doing stuff at this time. He just, like, I don't really think it was like he was the, uh, he had his big break, as you would put it. So maybe just it's Veronica once again mentioning someone that making she knows. It, making it 1955 versus, like, 1957. Oh, man, if they had just done two more years of the future. Yeah. But they really wanted to do that Emmett Till storyline. Which really informed this episode. Mm-hmm. So we hear some of Archie's poem. It's fine. It's fine. He rhymes words together. And then Veronica's like, I appreciate that you barely did a rhyme. Dance with me. And he's like, no. And then he goes and dances with his mom. So cute. And I'm like, yes, Archie. Archie it's having good... a spine. And, and, and here's what I'm going to say as well. Yes for Veronica in the sense of like, Veronica's arc as a character. Yeah, she got shut down. Well, that's the thing. Hard. She, she gets to grow. Yeah, and then be rejected. Yeah, and then hopefully next episode grow Gr- more. Hopefully, because because obviously, do you know who comes in? Reggie. Julian. I mean, Julian. Fine, because, whatever. Once again, this is this is always how it works in Archie's comics. Archie's does for some one reason or another either goes with Betty or he does something. And so Reggie's like, like, well, I guess I'm in here to clean up the scraps of Veronica. And he says the line, which (laughs) he says, you could do worse. (laughs) And Veronica's like, yeah. It it is unfortunately jarring based off of our last episode where she ended on such like the note of like, I guess I don't need boys. And then this episode was her being like, I need every boy. Yep. Both both of these episodes, great yeah. Veronica storylines, 
just not great next to each other. And now we're going to end right where we started with everybody in a room staring at each other. Yeah. Like Tony, Tony Kevin stares at Clay. Tony drinks out of a liquor bottle in a paper bag and stares at Cheryl. Why did they do that? I don't <laughs> what, know. What, what, what kind of choice was that? Dilton uh, Doily just stares at generally. The turtle stares at Cheryl. And then he says to her, he's like, Look at this. Boys and girls dancing together as God said they should. I like, oh, I guess. I guess. I, no, no. I'm just being like, are we doing like a, like a religion thing with Cheryl? Because we kind of had that. When like, she was in the cult. Yeah. Uh, well, I, but in or this also ca- when she made her own cult. But in this case, I feel like this is a lot more based around Christianity. Uh, but also it's, you know, obviously it's 1955. According to popular culture, everyone was Christian. And no one was gay. Everyone's straight in the 1950s. Yeah, or they were roommates. (laughs) Which, again, article I read, no one is changing anyone's sexuality. They're just doing a 1950s storyline. But it's not all that, it's all all happy and sunshine and staring longingly at other people. Because. The door swings open. And a woman in a pink dress covered in blood, comes through the doors. And no one notices her. Except for Jughead. (laughs) Except for Jughead. Because this woman is Ethel Muggs. Yeah, she arrives covered in blood. Whoa. Ooh, Riverdale. All right, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic, like, kind of forgot last episode's storylines and was just like, look, we're doing it. Did you? Yeah. And, okay, so I understand this was, like, necessary to lead up to the moment we just talked about. <laughs> but I gotta be honest, the scene where they were like, Ethel, you were drawing in school, and that's a real problem. <laughs> I mean, the problem was that she was drawing, like, zombies, and they're, like, dark things for children. Yeah, and, like, she was drawing zombies, but they just felt so much time to me, like, look, you can't draw, and it was zombies. Like, just the way the scene was written made it, like, very heavily, like, you were drawing during class. Offensive. What I would say is that it it felt, it it hit a thing that that Riverdale does a lot of times, where sometimes a storyline line that did not feel like it was a big thing all of a sudden became a huge thing and like i'm fine is, yeah the thing is i'm fine with her getting into detention yeah i just think they maybe could have skipped that scene and given her detention for skipping school to go sell her comic drawings <laughs> and then her parents still could, could have could have found the drawings or something like or that her, yeah her parents could have been like look you got detention because you skipped school I, and we found I these have, drawings i have to imagine it's because they have to set up doc- I, dr werner is definitely a thing right he's, he's definitely a thing he's definitely going to be a thing having the child psychologist like constantly being around being like well, we can't have people learn about racism that might upset the white children. Yeah, um, they're definitely building to something, something with, him. with him. I just yeah. feel like that it's just all a little clumsily done for me. And no, it's just fair. like drew me out of the moment. Over, overall, I mean, this thing is, this is a hard episode to pick them from because overall it's, it's a decent episode. Pretty good. Yeah. But Kevin, did you find a moment? Yeah. And I, I actually found three and I mentioned them throughout. So I'm not going to go over them again. But it is actually all of those times where the time, where the timeline didn't work out. It's not me being like nerdy, like, well, technically it doesn't fit that way. It's because. But they were so specific. Well, and 
it was this. It's that none of them were plot points. All of them were references. So they could have just done more timely references. They could have just done a Google. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's not like me saying that, like, well, because it's not like, like you talk with the Goldbergs where it's like, well, sometimes we kind of do fluid things because we want certain stuff to happen at some time. And the Goldbergs is like very, very clear. Where it's like, look, these are my childhood memories. Yeah. I can't put everything in order. Yeah, but this one, those, those like the twist, they immediately stop it so they could slow dance. They could have started with anything else, but they wanted to say the twist because people think it's 1950s. It's not. It's 1960s. And he also just um, could have been bad at dancing. The the reference to uh, that the actor, which was too early. They could that could have been a different actor. Actor. It didn't need to be Troy Donahue. Donahue. There's been dancers all throughout history. But again, they wanted Greece. to. Do, they yeah, they wanted to do that. Um, the. Uh, the the last one was um, oh I'm not saying the synth the synth was perfect the Chuck Berry reference yeah they wanted to do Chuck they wanted to reference Chuck Berry that one is a bit early I'm not gonna fight that I'm not gonna be like how dare you but it was just too much all in one episode yeah the problem is that there were the other ones beforehand that started this the seams and so, the thing is we know with the Riverdale they are bad at timelines <laughs> so it became even it's just it was just like a spotlight on something that I was already aware of and was like they're going to do it. They're <laughs> at some gonna, point, they're going to mess gonna it up. They're going to do it. They care about it. And, and they're so bad at it. It's funny. I would have given them more of a pass if it was bigger things. If they were like plot, important, specific yeah. things, I would actually give them more of a pass because I would have been like, okay, you wanted to do this. You had you to make this work You're probably aware of... that the timeline was off a little bit, but you're also kind of doing an alternate universe one. But because they were just like, not even, they weren't even jokes. They were just references which to be honest will go over most of the audience's head yeah so like that's that's why i'm just giving it a cw moment it was just a little thing that that bugged me a bit but it was just so they could do references so audience how do you feel about riverdale being in the 1950s let us know on the social media we're podcast moa podcast moa at instagram at twitter and at gmail.com and y'all we are doing this for you Give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. Do what we should do before we actually go. Uh, should we because... talk about what we're doing? Not yet. Um, no, um, I was thinking that we should probably give a little bit of <laughs> talk about the fact that Ethel did arrive covered in blood. Oh, well, I oh, know yeah. we asked her questions at the end, but like, let's give a quick thing there. So obviously the, the implication is that she killed her parents. But do we think she attacked her parents or do we think they attacked her? Yeah, or is there going to be another rug pull? You know, like the, I killed my brother. Well, I didn't actually kill my brother. Is there going to be a serial killer? Like, we know we don't have a word for I, the 1950s, I think, but... Here, here's here's my... From everything we've seen set up, here's my thought. Yeah. I don't think Ethel killed her parents, but I think what they're setting up is that because she has a disturbed mind, mm -hmm. they're going to do a thing where it's like she did kill her parents and comic books made her kill her parents and then and, that's going to be the whole thing. And I would argue that maybe like one of her parents is like, yes, Ethel can go to the dance and the other one was like, no, no. Like maybe her alcoholic mom attacked her dad. Maybe it's a murder-suicide. Yeah. Um, but but I, I believe that definitely the implications she killed her parents. I think a stronger choice would be her that she didn't, but she gets blamed for it. And then because, you know, they always like to do these things about like, uh, what do you call it? Social issues that are going on. I'd say this is a strong, this is an issue. 
or this is a thing that I think they're well equipped to handle. The idea of people being like, yes, uh, media has turned children into killers is like, yeah, that's a that's a that is a perfect one for a teen drama to address. Yeah, this seems like an appropriate level of drama. All right, well. Uh, that was in the middle of the plugs but I thought it was important to do. <laughs> you can also check out my books. They're available at kevinweirdbooks.com. And I'm over at aflimsyplan.com. I hope you did skip away before we, for all the people who are just like, hey, they're doing the housekeeping. Go to the next episode. Hey, if you did. You're not hearing this. Episode. You're not hearing this. You suck. Yeah. Look, next episode you'll be like, wait, they're referencing something I didn't hear. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah and well, then yeah. you'll have to listen to this entire episode that we just recorded again oh yeah we'll definitely reference back to that one minute we'll see you next week bye whose blood is on ethel will kevin accept his feelings for clay when will betty learn not to trust her mom answers all this and more on the next episode of mystery outsides and abs a teen drama fan cast